there were things that I was I was called by God and put by God in JD's life to see and like speak to that literally if I don't speak to it, there is no one else who will. Because they don't it's it's the stuff that only I would see or know. And the same for him, it's the same for him. And so that if I dodge that, because that's my impulse, if I dodge that, then it is a failure of extreme magnitude. everybody this is a new sort of episode for us on the glass house so i am hosting alone not totally alone but without my sidekick ben and um, we're going to do a series of pastor's wife um, interviews and so i have angie elkins with us she is the podcast producer and also a fellow pastor's wife and then i have veronica greer joining us from north carolina you were supposed to be here in person but a little snowstorm happened and so we are doing this by Zoom. So welcome, Veronica. Hi. I'm actually so sad to be on Zoom, but I'm still I'm glad that because of technology, I can still be with you. Yes. Thank you for being with us. And welcome, Angie. Thank you. Super fun. I know. Okay, Veronica, tell us just a little bit about yourself real quick, what, what you do there in, in North Carolina. So I'm married to JD, and he is the pastor of the Summit Church, and we're here in the Triangle. So Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, and several outlying sort of just the, you know, I don't I, I don't want to call them bedroom communities, but, you know, all those areas around. Mm-hmm. And we've been here since, um, well, we got married in 2000. He was still doing his PhD. I was a high school teacher. And um, so we were at Southeastern in Wake Forest. And um, so we've been we've been here since then. And he became the pastor of, at the time, it was called Homestead Heights. Um, and it now is the summit. But um, that was in 2002. So it's been, yeah, 22 years. Wow. We have four kids. Two of them are now in college. One's a freshman at NC State. One's a junior at the University of South Carolina. And then we have a 10th and an 8th grader. Perfect. You kind of know what we're doing here. And so we're going to do a series of episodes on just um, what ministry has been like through the decades for you. Yes. But before we begin that, Angie and I have some rapid fire questions for okay. you because we think it's fun just to get to know some people, um, a little bit of like quirky things about them. So I'm going to start it off. Um, what's your favorite road trip snack? Okay. So road trip snacks have to be, they. so I've developed a compulsivity <laughs> because I'm married to JD and he kind of passed it on to me about my car. Now I still have kids, so don't get the wrong idea. It's not like pristine. His is pristine, but he has kind of rubbed off on me a little bit. And so it has to be like neat enough. So no chips oh. or popcorn or anything like that. <laughs> Wow. So so that's a high high value. Even chocolate that can like crumble cuz like I love yes. a fast break but that can't be in the car cuz it crumbles. So, Even on a long road trip? Wow. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so listen, I'm going to show you what this is in my desk drawer because I'm addicted to them and it's going to look like these are like little peachios. Yes, yes. I mean, can you can yum. you see all the sugar in the bottom? Those are all in my car seat. So I love those, <laughs> but they cannot go in the car. They can't go in the car. Oh man! So what is that? What's left then? What's hardcore? We're down like Twinkies, Twizzlers. That's an excellent. I love Twizzlers, and like I love um, beef jerky. No, that's way too healthy. Come on, (laughs) that's protein. Um, I like the gummy fruit, um, gummy lifesavers, fruit snacks, fruit roll ups. I'm basically sort of a seven year old when we're on a on a on a long car trip. So. Wow. Remind me not to car trip, like road trip with you because <laughs> my car, you would be like appalled if you got in my car. My house is clean. Like I like a clean house. Yeah. If guests show show up, they can come in. Yeah. My car no. looks and smells terrible. So, 
So then I would also say that I like big Cheez-Its, but only the big Cheez-Its because you can pull one out at a time and not make a mess. And I also love them. So the big Cheez-Its. Well, this was a good question for you because those are like, that's a really quirky answer. Very specific. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Angie, you're up. Okay. What is your favorite chain clothing store to shop at? Gosh. I mean, I like to be welcoming and open to all. <laughs> I, I take all comers. <laughs> No, but if I'm like, you know, if it's a birthday gift or something that Jade is going to give me, I mean, I'm definitely anthro, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, on like every day sure. or if it's casual we're talking about, I love Airy. I love them, like their leggings and their flare leggings and all of those things, casual. Um, and I also like- Can Jade. I tell you the best thing ever? What? So Ava works at Anthropology, oh, and she gets eight items a month at 60% off. No, you're kidding. And wow. she and I are the same size. So oh. I'm like, hey, don't let those go to waste. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk. We need to like, you know, bullet point the things that we I'm like. You know how policemen at the end of the month have to get their quota of yeah. tickets? I'm like, hey, it's the 30th. We have, we, have... have we used them all? Have we bought our eight items? Okay, I'm sorry. I had to oh, answer. Oh, that is. Okay. If you guys see me moonlighting at Anthro, you'll know why now. So okay, um, I love the crew. I'm really preppy, and I mean Target. I lots of things in my wardrobe from Target because again, the, you, Target is the answer. If you have a question, Target is the answer. All right. So what's the last book you've read? Well, first a while ago, I, I guess summer, I did Be- Becoming Elizabeth Elliot, but just um, mm-hmm. over November December, I did Being Elizabeth Elliot. Yes. And then I just in a book club did. You guys have probably heard of it. Um, it was. How to Stay Married, the Most Insane Love Story Ever Told. You guys heard hmm. of that one? No. It's a memoir of um, the the author, and he's he's a pretty famous author. I had actually not read him before, but the book club was doing that. And um, it has real strong – I think he's a Christian. Now, it's not written as like a Christian book per se. It's actually funnier. Like it's sad and funny all at once, but anyway, and his, mm-hmm. actually his wife writes a chapter of it. And so, um, yeah, it's a really interesting book. I, yeah, I don't know if I would have ever, I don't know if that I would have picked it up on my own, but because of the book clubs. Oh, and the, right now I'm actually on audio. Um, I'm doing the biography of Elon Musk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that good? Oh, it super interesting. Like he is, yeah, it, it's a labyrinth of interest. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, what's your ideal date night? Mm, that's going to depend on kind of my mood, how the week has gone, how, how the day has gone. Like just it's really going to depend. It can run the gamut really from let's just keep our sweatpants on and go get takeout and, you know, watch a movie at home <laughs> or depending on, you know, what it was, I would like to like, oh, let's get really dressed. Let's go downtown to like my favorite restaurant down there. Um, if it's beautiful weather, I want to be outside. We have some parks I like to walk around in, get a smoothie, just go hit the trails. So it's just going to depend on the the surrounding situation. Yeah. Totally understand. That, that's a good answer. Like it depends because yeah. sometimes I'll get mad. It at really ben. does. Sometimes I get mad at Ben. I'm like, hey, we never go out somewhere nice. And then he'll say, one night he'll come home and be like, you want to go out somewhere nice? I'm like, no, no. Gosh, like, I don't want to wash my hair. <laughs> Why would like, I want to no. do that? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I it you know it's it's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Your hair is straight right now, but I know you have curly hair. I do. I do. So for our myself, you, and other people listening have curly hair, what is your favorite curly hair go-to product? Listen, I could talk about that. We could do a whole podcast. This <laughs> I'm telling you, I have mine beside me. 
y'all girls with curly hair, it is a whole thing. It is. It it's is. a whole thing. It is. And I like yeah. to spot people that I think have curly hair. And I mm-hmm. just found out recently someone that I thought had curly hair does not. And I almost was like, I just don't even know if we can be friends now. Like I just. <laughs> Man. Where was your discernment, Veronica? Where is my discernment? Okay, so for me, it's way more about the process than the product, but obviously I do have products. So the process, I think if you're out there trying to figure out curly hair, I think process is more important to me than product. But um, I have – it's pretty thick, pretty um, uh, wayward. (laughs) So I need gel for a stronghold. I got to have stronghold. I wish Mm -hmm. I could do mousse, but it just doesn't give enough. So anyway, I like the – it's purple. It's the Aussie um, Headstrong Volume Gel. That's probably my Mm – Okay, Veronica, look at mine. It's a new brush. Oh. Wait, let me see if I can. Can you see? It's I like can. Yes, do tell. I don't know what this is. Look, you brush it and it like separates the curls into oh, this. Oh, wow. And then they like, so they're like clumpy and not clumpy, but they're like pretty defined. Yes. It's like the, that's the key. The definition is the key. And life-changing. Life-changing. Bounce okay. curl. I'll be ordering it today on Amazon. <laughs> okay. So Lindley recommended that brush to me for because my daughter has curly hair and she loves it. Oh, that's she amazing. She for Christmas. So two recommendations. And they have products too. Love it. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, sure. so that's your third. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. There you go. And so, we're not sponsored by Bounce no Curl, sponsor. but we're willing that's to be. That's right. Call us. <laughs> Tag them at Bounce Curl on Instagram. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you for doing that. I just think it's fun sometimes to hear about, you know, what are the the silly things about people that make them fun and relatable? It and um, But I do want to turn the corner. And so, you know, we mentioned this at the beginning. And Angie, you can chime in here too, like whenever you want to add to this. But what really I want to do in this series is help people who maybe are in different stages of life than us hear from people who have been through it and hear some of the hard stories, but also the good things that came out of it. And Mm so, you know, one thing I was telling you before this podcast is that it's important to me that I'm not discouraging a um, generation of pastor's wives to be like, man, I don't want to do that. And so I don't want everyone to hear this podcast and be like, gosh, I don't want to be in the glass house because that sounds scary. Um, And so I want to interview a series of people that are vulnerable, authentic, and, you know, can talk about things that are hard because we are people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just hard doing life with people, but also like what happened in those situations to that you can look back and be like, man, God was working there. Mm -hmm. We just love to hear like, as you think back about your twenties, how would you describe yourself in your twenties maybe and your, your space and ministry? So I, this is not how everyone comes into ministry, but for me, I, I knew I was called into ministry, um, before I ever met JD, before I ever, you know, uh, yeah, before we were together, before I even knew him. So that, that was probably a gift that the Lord, that was how he was working in my life. Um, so I would say that I was pretty, pretty, I, I would say I was idealistic, but that served me well. And so I would encourage you to I would encourage most people to be more idealistic in general, in general. Mm, um, I kind of, I, I felt like, you know, ultimately people knowing Jesus is the only thing that matters at the end of life. That's the only thing, right? And that the only thing that I think is worthwhile in life is um, knowing Christ yourself and then helping others know him. And so the local church, you know, I, this is what my husband always says, and I love it. The local church is God's plan A. And there is no plan B. <laughs> it's, it's plan A mm-hmm. and that's it. So um, for me, that was really 
it did serve me well. Now, I didn't know if we would be church planning overseas or if we would be um, U.S. side. And so I actually started thinking more and more as we were like engaged in the first little bit of our marriage that we were probably going to be overseas. And so when um, the local church where we were attending, and then my husband was also part-time in the college ministry at a certain point, they started talking to us because they were in an interim and had been for a good long while. Ended up being three and a half years total. So, um, and they came to JD and at first we were like, oh no, no, like we're, you know, this is, he's just finishing his, his PhD and and we're going to be out of here. And so they said, okay. So, but then they came back to us like about, I don't know, six months later, I want to say. And so we just thought maybe we need to consider this because who knows how the Lord is working and we'll just pray about it. But again, with the whole like approach of, this is not where we're supposed to be, you know, in Durham, North Carolina. And the Lord obviously <laughs> was uh, very clear. We took a um, kind of a weekend to like fast and pray about it. And we finished and both of us were like, this is this is where we're supposed to be. And I was um, not, I wasn't distressed about the church. That wasn't my issue, but just from what I thought we were going to do. And then to be here, I was, I was so upset, which had been quite a turn from where I'd been two years before to think mm-hmm. that we weren't going overseas. And so that had been what the Lord had done in my life, but it was clear where we were supposed to be. And um, anyway, and we're still, you know, we're still with Summit here 22 years later. And so that, you know, those first several, you know, I was, I was 22 when he became the, pa- or 20, I think it might've been 23. Um, oh. And so How I- How old were you when you got married? Uh, I was 22. So this is like a year and a half after we got married. Did you go to seminary or anything like that, or do you have a different degree? No, I actually, um, my degree was a uh, was a Bachelor's of Science in Communication Disorders, so it's speech path, okay. audiology, those things. And then I okay. um, got my certification in K-12 special ed, and so I was mm-hmm. teaching um, at a local high school, and I loved that. That was quite a ministry for me for several years, so that's what I was doing then. But I would say that um, I... Yeah, I, I was pretty optimistic and I read things through that lens. And I think that really helps you. You know, JD says, give the benefit of the doubt wherever possible and work towards mm-hmm. that. And at the time, I think that came sort of naturally to me. Um, I think I have to fight f- harder for that now <laughs> at 46. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that was yep. what I would say in my 20s. Um, they had a, a Bible study for, you know, young moms. I, um, a year after he became pastor, we had our daughter. And so, um, I was in that like because uh, they had childcare, and so I was in that Bible study. And um, I think the thing that I took away from that period of time, that, those Bible studies, those things, was um, you need to identify the things that are like the air you breathe, the water that you swim in, mm-hmm. um, that you are that that are that are contradictory to um, the Word of God. And so learning how to do that when, again, it's like the air you breathe, like you hardly recognize it. It takes some real Mm. prayer and like um, dedicated time. So I think that was the thing I learned through those that time and that those Bible studies and with some older women. And um, yeah, I think it's so interesting how people can go through similar situations, but have different responses. I mean, that's just humankind. Yeah. Um, And so you and I have a pretty similar story as far as I got married at 21 Mm -hmm. My degrees in, I have a bachelor's of science in dental hygiene, Okay, um, which, you know, is really helpful and <laughs> to me now. And so, but Ben having the path and, and gone through like his doctoral degree and all that stuff, I always felt really intimidated mm. in my twenties. I felt intimidated. Like I didn't know enough to be in the position I was in. Yeah. Now, thankfully, you know, we had four children really fast. And so I was able to kind of hide behind that mm-hmm. and just 
stay busy because I'm, I'm home with the kids. Um, so I don't think that intimidation came to me till I was more in my thirties and yeah. I realized like, Oh, I can't hide anymore. Um, but it sounds like you didn't have that experience. Like you came out of it and you said to us, like, you're a pretty positive person. So maybe you didn't have that sort of story. Can you talk about that? I can. And I honestly, I, 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 like I said, I think it did serve me well, but I see that as, um, just a little bit of like, um, blissful ignorance. (laughs) And for a period of time, it was, it was helpful. Like, look, the Lord's called me here. Let's just get after it. And you know, what, what could, what could go wrong? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I love the church. The the church is going to love us. It's going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be great. So, and our church, you know, I do, I say that our first, um, I mean, I I would probably even say our first decade. So until I was really about mid thirties, um, I would say was a little bit charmed in our, in our story, Mm -hmm. a little bit, um, yeah. So it, that, and again, that, uh, shored up some things for me so that Mm -hmm. later I could draw from them. I was just thinking as you, you were talking about going to Bible study when your kids were little and there was childcare, I can tell you that was such a respite for me Gosh. when my mm-hmm. kids were young. And I'm telling you, I, I, I did not miss mm. because I knew those ladies in the nursery were taking great care of my yes. kids. Mm. And I could just focus on my own spiritual yes. health and growth. Mm. So if, if you're a young like pastor's mm-hmm. wife or mom or wherever you are in your stage and you ha- your church has child care <laughs> for Bible study, do, do it. it just to get the break and focus on what God's trying to teach you. Yes. That was huge for me. It's almost like a balm to your soul in two ways because you do get that little bit of a breather and you also get the spiritual pouring into. I mean, it's... When you talk, when you talk to young moms that are in their 20s now, um, Veronica, do you feel like sometimes they try to do it all um, and they don't ask for help? Or, I mean, do you just really just try to kind of reiterate that? Like, hey, take the help. I do. I I think sometimes I think, oh, this, I'm always afraid of being the person who forgets how hard it was, you know, to Mm -hmm. to be in those young mom trenches. Um, So I really push like, like put your mind to it, figure out how you can get some help, get a little breather, get a little break, like, you know, friends swapping, whatever it is, you know, just figure it out. Is there family? There are, there are people who would love to give you a couple of hours in the week. You got to find them sometimes, but like ask the Lord, like beg the Lord and figure it out. And I do feel like sometimes there's like a, 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 like a little bit of a resistance. And I don't know if it's because they just feel like they're not supposed to, I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but sometimes I feel like, and I kind of want to say, Oh no, like I'm not like, this is going to serve you and your family so well. So yeah, I do mm. see that. I feel like they're trying so hard. I feel like with the um, social media world now that the expectation is that you have it all together mm. and you cook from scratch and you do all these things. Mm. And so we didn't have that. I no. mean, I'm so thankful when my kids were born, I didn't have that. And so my best friend lived next door and we had a meal swap. She cooked for our family. Like she cooked for both families on Monday and I cooked for both families on Thursday. That's awesome. And we just, cause we were like, if you're cooking for one, you might as well cook for two. Might as well. <laughs> and we carried it back and forth, like b- behind each other's backyards. I and, um, and it was so helpful, but we didn't know, like, we didn't know that like, is this right or wrong? It right. Was just right. <laughs> you just knew what you had in front of you. I agree. I'm very thankful that I didn't have all of that, um, just that there's enough pressure. You don't need that. Yeah. And that's, mm. that's detrimental to your, to your mental mm. health and every other thing. Did you have any expectation on you as the wife of the pastor 
you know, in those early years or were you sort of oblivious to that? Or, I mean, some churches are, are really generous and, and don't put any pressure on their pastor's wife to do anything. Right. Was that your situation? So when JD was interviewing and they interviewed both of us, which, you know, I think makes a lot of sense, but he mm-hmm. was very clear even in that, um, that you are hiring me. And it's not a two for one deal here. Like this, um, I mean, at the time I was working full time in the school system, and so, you know, to it's I was I was working very hard, um, mm-hmm. and so he was pretty upfront about that at the time. And I don't have any um, gifts that you might naturally like. I I don't really sing. I sing fine, but I'm not like someone who's gonna lead, lead anything in that area. I don't play the piano, you know, things that I wish I did, but I don't. Um, and so I don't think that there was a natural, like, oh, well she'll blank. And so we started having kids very quickly and, uh, like, like Lindley, like, you know, we had four pretty Mm -hmm. close together. So I, I, I was able to maybe dodge that a little bit. Yeah. You said how they interviewed both of you. Yeah. Do you think that churches do that very often? Like, I actually don't know, but I mean, it sounds like that was a big thing to you. Like you felt, did they, they interviewed you together or separately? Um, separately. So, and when I say interview, um, there was a, you know, there was the pulpit search committee and there were mm-hmm. two women on it. And so they took me out to lunch to just sort of get to know me and, and interview me and see, you know, keep in mind I was 22 yeah. and this church was not 22. This church was... 40s and above. And so, yeah. again, from my perspective, it's only right that you know what you're getting, but I do know that could go pretty wrong. Um, so I don't know if I can wholeheartedly endorse it, but I, I also understand it. And it for me, I was feeling like this was – it's funny because I felt like it was joint ministry. I wanted to be part mm-hmm. of this ministry. And yeah. so that is complicated because I do see how that could – it could be a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what that's a hard question because some I mean everybody's so different and some women would love that because it's a joint and some women mm-hmm. who are like I I don't want to have a role here. Yeah. Like I just want to be me yeah. and I want to support the family from home. Yeah. They would be terrified of that. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. Okay. So to summarize your twenties, it was um ignorance, bl- blissful ignorance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> blissful bubble. <laughs> okay. So move on to your thirties. Tell us like when you're entering in your thirties, how old are your kids? Where where is Summit Church in its growth? Yeah, so I had um, my third girl when I was thirty, and then my fourth, and you know, that we have four kids. So my fourth, um, he's my only son when I was thirty-two. So um, you know, for the first several years, I'm still pretty much, you know, a little as much as I can be, like so involved wherever I can be, but I am pretty head down, a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit buried, a little bit, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had uh, still one of my dearest friends, um, a girl who graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, who went to summit. She'd been a sitter for me, um, many times. And so when she graduated, she ended up living with us. It turned out to be, I think for four years, I think that's right. If I, yeah, I think that's right. Um, it, and originally it was going to be for a few months and then, Hmm. She must have obviously been happy with it, and we were like more than happy with it. She had her own like area, bathroom, yeah. you know, room, and everything. Yeah. And so that was, I guess, when my son was two or three. And so that was just a gift. It actually freed me up to be a little more involved in some things. Um, 
I could do a little bit of travel with JD, not a ton, but I could, because she did live there and was there again. I mean, it wasn't like I could do it it all the time, but um, I see that as like something the Lord really just, we didn't know that that would end up working out that way. So that was just an unexpected gift. Um, But anyway, those are those several years. Like I just um, still was able to do Bible study, still was able to do, we had small group, um, a lot of times we were doing that, like inviting our neighbors and things like that. So those were like really sweet times. Um, and that could be at our house, you know, where our kids could be upstairs with like, you know, a local, you know, teenager mm-hmm. or something. So anyway, um, I think if I had to, if I had to summarize things that I was learning in my thirties, it would be, I think two things. One was personal and one was about my role specifically, um, in, in my marriage. And the Mm. first one was, and I've I've talked about this before, but, um, you know, when you speak of a blind spot in your life, I always thought until I just, this was a theme in, in that time. Um, when you think of a blind spot, when you're driving, when you learn in driver's ed about what it is, you know, where it is, you know what to do about it. You know how to compensate, right? You, you know what it is and, and how mm-hmm. to actually make it not a blind spot. Hmm. So I had always assumed without realizing it that when you speak of blind spots in your own personal life that it would be like that. So that it's not a true blind spot, that if you just look the right way, you would see it. Hmm. And if you know hmm. to always like compensate for it, you won't actually have a blind spot. And I just uh, began to realize through different, you know, people in my life um, and certain studies I was doing um, that actually blind spots in your life are things that you don't even know they're there at all. Mm -hmm. There's actually no way that you can really compensate for them. You cannot see them. You don't know they're there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so they're truly blind spots. And the only way to overcome them is not something you can actually do. Other people have to point those blind spots out in your life, Mm -hmm. which is never enjoyable. Hmm. Brutal. It is yeah. always brutal. And at least if you're like me, your initial reaction is, well, that's ridiculous. No. <laughs> you're just not seeing it, right? That's <laughs> – how dare you? <laughs> and another thing. Have you seen your blind spot, Lily? <laughs> like, yeah. We can talk about mine, but let's talk yeah, about yours as that's well. right. <laughs> so anyway, I think I just began to realize like, oh, these are things I don't know are – quote unquote wrong with me. I guess that that feels pretty, um, uh, that feels Mm. like a rough way to say it, but these are things that, yeah, make you hard. These are things that make you, um, less effective. These are things that are, you Mm. know, hindering your growth. And so just beginning to realize you're going to have to have people in your life. I mean, your Mm. husband, your close friends that you have trusted, your family. Did you have a close friend that came to you and said, maybe, Veronica, I don't know if maybe you're seeing this or not. And I mean, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Um, I, I would say JD, JD for sure. Okay. Well, yes. I mean, our husbands are assumed. They're, they're more than willing to share. More than willing. But I did have a friend who um, was talking to me about uh, kind of hard-heartedness and bitterness And saying, like, I think if you're not careful, you end up passing this on to your kids. And what's really sad is they'll just get the bitterness and not have a – you know why you're upset and bitter. You have a maybe Mm. legitimate, often, often a legitimate thing to be – although bitterness is not legitimate, but a thing to be upset about. Yeah, hurt by. Yes. 
And if your kids absorb that from you, they won't even have that. They'll just have the bitterness. And how Mm. sad is that? Mm. And so that was just kind of life-changing for me that that is something that my children will absolutely absorb, but Mm. tragically not even have, um, yeah, real reason, you know, again, not defending the bitterness, just saying that how it makes it even worse somehow. (laughs) It's all terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I think that's interesting about kids absorbing things because we've been in ministry over 25 years now. And when I was at, in that stage in ministry, you know, we had to really fight hard to protect them from some of the hard things Mm -hmm. that we were going through because we didn't want them to absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. Were there things that you and JD did to really protect your kids from, like, how did you discuss things yeah. away from the kids? Well, and our kids talk like about, that. oh, mom and dad are going to have a hush, going off to having a hush conversation. <laughs> and it's like a running <laughs> joke. And it's it's always kind of like, guys, we just, you don't need to know. You don't need to know everything. So mm, that's kind yeah. of a funny thing that the kids tease us about. But um yeah, it was something we talked about regularly that we wanted our kids as much as we could control, um, which you're not in control of everything. We've definitely learned that. But as much as we could control, we wanted them to have a positive impression of the church. And so we tried to mm. make Sundays fun. We tried to, yeah. um, I mean, even dumb things like JD's little office study areas stocked with things they like, you know, stuff like that. Um, that's yeah. the day we eat out, right? Like we're going to go get something terrible for you that you're going to love, you know? And so things <laughs> like that, um, cool. involving them in the ministry in ways that they enjoy it, if there's ways that they really like, whether that's behind the scenes or more, more maybe upfront working with kids, working, whatever it is, you know, there's different things you can do. And so, yeah, I just really, really tried not to talk about the things that were personally hard if I could. And that gets right. Sometimes that's a lot harder than others sometimes. So you said two things. You said you were in that decade, you were learning about personal yourself and your, yeah. Yeah. And what was the second? The second thing was my role um, with JD. And so that was, so I'm a conflict avoider um, to a fault. So it, I have, I have learned that that does not serve me well. It does not. And so um, I kind of began to realize that there were things, and this was, I mean, this was, it's weird to say that this is um, like a real, I mean, it was like a light bulb, like it was a little bit life-changing for me, but that there were things that I was, I was called by God and put by God in JD's life um, to see and like speak to that literally, if I don't speak to it, there is no one else who will. Cause they don't, it's, mm. it's the stuff that only I would see or know and the same for him. It's yeah. the same for him. Mm-hmm. And so that if I dodge that, cause that's my, that's my impulse. If I dodge that, then it is a failure of like magnitude, right? <laughs> like extreme mm. magnitude. Um, but that, Do you mean almost like it's your responsibility to sharpen him? Yeah, that, that's in what the God way has that called only you can. To. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's yeah. called me to right. it, and it's something he expects mm-hmm. and wants from me. Again, prayerfully considering what those things actually are. This is yes. not like, well, let's daily have our meeting about. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you all the let's things talk you've about done how wrong. many vegetables you're eating. Right, yeah. right, not like that at all. But there are a few <laughs> things, and I do think there are only a few because. We live in close community. So most things we are trying to live where there are 
you know, his brothers who can speak to things in his life. But there are a few that like I am intended by the Lord to mm-hmm. speak to and call out. And the same for him. Now, he's not a conflict avoider. So I think he's – that's not a like aha, aha moment for him. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> We're the opposite. Yeah. So yeah, I just began to realize, well, darn, man, I don't want to shirk that. Like I want to do what God's called me to do. So I, mean, I don't know how great I've been at it. I don't know if I swung the pendulum the other way. Who knows? You could ask him sometime. But just realizing that was a call in my life. Lindley, I have a question for you, but because you're the opposite. Yeah. Like I would guess that your propensity is to call out too much. Oh, it is. Is that what you were about to say? It is. Yes. I was about to say, I'm really convicted yeah. by this. And the one thing that has been on my heart heavy for the last six, about six months is that my tendency is to just nag. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Well, I have why, that too. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I'm just, no, Me I mean, too. I'm, this is, it's a problem. Like it's a, it's a blind spot and it's been pointed out now. <laughs> Um, but what I'm saying is I've actually had to come to this place of like, the older I get, I am truly like, take it to the Lord in prayer. Mm -hmm. Like just take it to the Lord in prayer. And the other Mm -hmm. day, a couple of weeks ago, he, we didn't have a good morning and he called me and said, you know, are things okay? Mm. And I was frustrated about, by something that was not, it's not biblical. Like it was just my frustration with something that he was doing, like his routine or his pattern in the morning. And I said, you know what? I said, I, I, my feeling, like I am upset about something. I said, but I don't want to even tell you because I think mm. it's my issue. Okay. And I just need to pray about it. Yeah. And I just prayed about it. And the Lord had to come to me and like just keep reminding me of like, hey, Lindley, you're not a perfect person. Like I, <laughs> that's my, like, cause, cause I'm not conflict avoidant, you right. know, and I, yeah. I do see things. Right. And I can, right. like, I can identify feelings really easily. Like, well, I'm hurt or I'm sad or I'm yeah. lonely, but then I can't heal those feelings well. Right. And so I'm like, Okay, I have got to stop just wearing him out yeah. with mm-hmm. you don't eat fruits and vegetables or why are you working out or things well, that are like you want so much good for them, right? You want so much good. So you know like that would ultimately serve them better, whatever that thing is, whatever the thing is. Yes. Where I'm convicted is when you said there are a few things yeah. that I'm intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I'm really trying to narrow down of like, okay, what are the few things mm-hmm. that I have insight to in Ben's life that I can help? Yeah. Because I mean, Angie could look at Ben's plate at lunch sometime and be like, Ben, you don't have any fruits on your plate. Right. Like, that's just stupid. It's just nagging. You can so, leave that to Angie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so no, like, I, so I just loved how you worded that of. I do too. There are a few things that we are called to do. Yeah. So I appreciate and you I love that. that too. I'm more like Lindley in that I tend to see all the things mm-hmm. and not just a few mm-hmm. things. And so I think. Just a good practice for me would even to be say, just to be praying and asking yeah. the Lord to say, what are the few things yeah. that, mm-hmm. that you about. want yes. me? Yeah. What are the few things yeah. that I am supposed to sharpen him? Well, I know for me with, and being a different personality or bent, a different bent, um, again, I'm laughing because I'm like, I don't, I wonder what JD, like, <laughs> I wonder if he would be like, guys, <laughs> don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> You can nag with the best of them. No, um, we know what you're but I will say that it is usually as I've re- like refined and honed this skill. Um, I, it usually is pretty apparent what the Lord wants me to actually mm-hmm. um, to actually talk about, and I it usually takes me forever and a day because again, this is not my bent. 
And so um, I think it would be the same for you, even though your bent is the other way. Usually it's like, I, so I know I'm supposed to talk about this and I don't want to. So hmm. that's what I just want to get to that point to where it's here are a few things, because to be fair, I would be so irritated if he told me everything that I did. Right. That, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That he didn't necessarily, that would, not be good. would not be the decision he made. No, and thank so I'm you. Like, if we do unto others as we want done to us, I need to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Like, and I need to just take it to the Lord and yeah. let him do the work. I mean, that's the thing. When this, we can segue into our 40s. But man, the thing I learned so much in my 40s is that like we actually have no control. Oh, gosh. And I think I think mm. I learned that releasing our kids, my like our oldest to college. We're about to release Max. And I'm like, man, the older I get, the more I have to pray about because I just have less and less control. And so like talk about your 40s just a little bit. Well, you basically just stole all my thunder. I mean, I guess oh, maybe well, the comment. We can wrap it up. <laughs> Done. The common theme, I guess, for 40s might be that like you suddenly are confronted with the fact that you have had far less control all along than you thought. Mm -hmm. And um, to have that just sort of uh, confronted to you in black and white, you know, and just writ large Mm -hmm. is, you know, you could have said that all along, but you, I guess, subconsciously didn't believe it. And in your forties, yeah. as you have to let children go, um, as you know, uh, as you encounter various things that are hard, um, in your friends, like my friend, <laughs> my friend said when she turned 40 and she laughs about it. So it's going to, it's a little bit of dark humor. So <laughs> when she turned 40, her mom said, oh, well, 40, that's when all your friends go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we laugh about that all the time um, because, you know, I do think that you see as you get into your 40s, people are coming up from having kids. People are – jobs are changing. I just – I think it can be a real decade of pretty pretty large transitions. Can I tell you something I read? Yes. It was talking about how in your 20s and 30s, because it varies, is um, seasons of celebration. Mm. Um, you know, your weddings and yeah. birthdays. Baby showers. And, and- um, all the fun things in life. And you're celebrating and nobody's really, it's just, I'll just leave it with that. It's yeah. celebration. But then you turn to your 40s and things begin to happen, you know, mm. like almost more divorce because mm. people have been yep. married longer. Yeah. Um, funerals begin to happen because your friend's parents are beginning to pass yes. away. yes. And so it turns into a decade of more grief than I think you realize when you're kind of coming into your 40s. I absolutely think that because all of your friends are beginning to release kids as well. And so I I agree. So for people listening, we're being super encouraging. (laughs) How can we turn this ship around? Here. 40s is awesome. So uh, talk about um, releasing your first child. This has been something that's been coming up with me, people to me a lot. Well, I wasn't Uh, ready. So yes, (laughs) my friend, um, one of my closest friends who had her oldest daughter is uh, just one year ahead of my oldest daughter. And actually she um, is married to her husband's on staff at Summit and we've been friends for years. And um, she, she, from afar, she was kind of letting me know how that was going. And she said that actually for her husband, interestingly enough, like it took him it took him down harder than it took her, but it took both of them down. So it was a significant transition, but I'm not in their home. I'm not, you know, but I mean, she's one of my closest friends. So I I was watching and knowing, 
Well, then I released mine. She goes and she goes four hours away, which is not like a, any kind of day trip or anything. Right. It was, it's significant. And, um, she, so just to, I'll be very honest. Um, hopefully she'll never listen to this cause I never want them to have to like, this is for me to bear, not for them. So I don't think she will. So I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, I came home, I couldn't look at her room. I couldn't walk past it the first night I slept on the couch. Yeah. Like I, I was, I, I was undone, undone. <laughs> and so um, my friend kept saying to me, and it was actually really, really helpful. So I'll say this to anyone who is experiencing this at this time period. Of course, if they win in August, they're probably working through it now. But um, she kept saying, it just feels like she's dead, Veronica. She's not. She's not dead. She's not <laughs> dead. She kept saying, she's not dead. And I was like, but it seems like it. <laughs> So I kind of, you know, I worked through it. And what I would say to turn that corner towards some encouragement is that um, she is my oldest daughter, independent to a fault. Like she didn't blink. I mean, she just, she keeps on kicking truck, 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 give me some boxes so I can check them. You know, that's how she is. Um, And so She's done great, which is super helpful that she's done really adjusted really well and um, has been happy there. But um, high school was not an ideal setup for someone who is such a an independent, strong personality. Mm-hmm. And she had been ready to be on her own since she was um, seven and a half. So, <laughs> <laughs> all those firstborns. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the relationship that we have um, gained with her Mm -hmm. being at college has been unbelievable. Like just, it was truly, it is okay to grieve what you legitimately have lost. And that is real. Mm -hmm. And you can Mm -hmm. absolutely grieve that and and should. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you should look at what you're gaining and how precious that is or can be. And, um, but what a gift it is. And so, I mean, mm. I love when she comes home. Like I, we are in, you know, I, this, my mom didn't have this. I love that we have this. This is one of the few times I love technology. I mean, we're in touch all the time, all yeah. the time. She sends me funny totally. things. She, she sends me um, TikToks. Like we have a running joke that um, I love bird TikToks, ridiculous birds. I don't know why. I just do. <gasps> I, I love birds. It's kittens for me. Kittens. <laughs> Yeah. She says, mom, you messed my algorithm up. Stop messing my algorithm up. <laughs> <laughs> so it is just a delight. I mean, it is and to see back to what you said. So we had, we had been convinced um, that it was prayer and only prayer that the more we talked, the more she was like, ugh, like the, the worse it got with her trying to hear from the Lord or because we thought we could be the voice of the Lord mm-hmm. and that it was our job. Mm-hmm. And like, we just learned through her he does not, he has a, you know, he owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. Someone told JD, mm. he has many, many people who can be prophets in her life. You need to just be her dad. Yeah. Meaning mm. you are just mm. pumped about her. You're just pumped about her. That's what dads are supposed to do. And by, you know, extension me as well. And so we just, I mean, hmm. we just learned that like it's in the Lord's control and that his um, work in her life is not going to be up to us. It, it's not. Now, we have roles we can play, obviously. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss that. You should not be shirking that. But I think we can tend to swing 
like it's us or nothing. And actually mm. it's God or nothing. It's, it's not mm. you. He has so many ways that he's working and, and his timeline. I mean, I'm, I'm reading Exodus right now. Like um, his timeline in that story probably made hmm. no sense to, to made no sense to anyone. It still doesn't. Right. But that was his way of working. And so you don't get to determine it's going to be otherwise. And so um, it has just been beautiful what we've gained. And I think I should have, not should have, but I wish I could have um, been equally focused on that, what I was gaining as Hmm. she goes and like lives into all the things that God has um, has for her. So We're coming to the end of our time, but you just said something I feel like is a good summary of the whole episode and really kind of where we come to as we get older. And you said, we thought we could be the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like a summary of kind of what I was saying about myself. I agree about that with our kids. I think we try to do that in our churches. I think that we have to realize that God does not need us to be the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like he, he is his own voice and has way more power and strength. So, I mean, I just love the way you said that we thought we could be yeah, and we're not. Yeah. And, and, you know, while he has, um, definite things that he has for you to do that, um, assuming the control you have is a recipe for hurt, confusion, disappointment, all kinds of things. And so just that quickness to prayer, that quickness to like, Mm -hmm. Lord, what do you want? Lord, what do you, um, have for me? Lord, um, I need this. Like I need strength. I need clarity. I need discernment. I don't know. I'm confused here. Like just that quickness that has come to me in my forties is real A quickness to yep. prayer. Mm. Thank yep. you, Veronica. That's just so good. Thank you. I mean, I love hearing and learning from fellow pastors wives, like what their journeys have been like and, um, just even paralleling it in my own life. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a son who's about to wrap up his last semester in college. He's 12 hours away. Crazy. And I would say at first it is hard when you figure out there are other people speaking into Mm. his life and giving him great advice, better than me. (laughs) That's like, what? And then you're just like, wait, no, actually that's a gift. It's a gift. So just trust the Lord with it. I think that's great. That's all. That's all I have. Well, I love this. This has been really fun for me. Thank you for hopping on here still, even though we couldn't be in person. It means so much. And I know that people are going to love what you said. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, I hope we get to do it again. The Glass House is brought to you by Lifeway. It is produced and edited by Angie Elkins with help from William Hall. Sound engineering by Donnie Gordon. Artwork by Heather Brzezinski. And photography by Rebecca McVeigh.